You are listening to Redefining Disability, an adaptive sports podcast brought to you by Move United. I am your host, Sean Butcher, and I have the privilege of serving as the editor of Move United Magazine, the nation's leading adaptive sports publication. Each week, tune in to hear how sports have made it possible for our nation's adaptive athletes, training tips from the best coaches and program leaders, and news on the latest technology, equipment, and trends in the industry. In July 2009, Kevin Mather was on a training ride in the foothills of Los Angeles with a group of friends when he was hit by a truck. His athletic pursuits continued on. Like a story in a book, his athletic career went through various chapters. Early on, he focused on competing in marathons, triathlons, and even Ironman competitions. He would finish first in his category at the LA Marathon in 2012, and then finish second that year at the Ironman World Championships in Kona, Hawaii. Afterwards, he would pursue alpine skiing and was a member of the U.S. Paralympic ski team. And in 2017, he got serious about archery and would win the gold medal at the Paralympic Games in Tokyo. So, Kevin, I'm uh, thrilled that you are, are chatting with me today. I thought we would just start, um, you know, like prior to your accident, how was how, how involved were you with sports, you know, growing up? I was pretty involved in sports growing up. You know, I played soccer as a young kid, like, you know, I was probably like four or so when I started playing soccer, um, played soccer for a while, played baseball, um, played basketball for like two years. Didn't really love basketball. Um, you know, kind of got into, I was always active, like, you know, back in the old rollerblading days, like BMX bikes, Mm -hmm. skateboard, uh, played a lot of street hockey, um, in my neighborhood. Um, so a bunch of stuff like that, uh, played football in high school. Um, I was actually a pretty big kid. So I was a starting center, uh, for my high school. Um, then, um, yeah, kind of got into, in my early twenties, you know, late teens, early twenties, got into like endurance sports, started, uh, started with running. And then actually hurt my feet a bit um, over training, like got some plantar fasciitis going. So then to give my feet a break, I started cycling. Um, and then once I got good at that and then I could run pretty good, I was like, well, I might as well learn to swim and become a triathlete. So um, that's how I became a triathlete. And I um, I was I was training for a... Uh, I think it was a half Ironman. I can't remember if it was a half or a full Ironman. It's, it's been so long now. Um, when I got injured. So I was out on a bike ride training and uh, got hit by a truck doing like 60 miles an hour. So um, so sport sport is how I got here, right? Um, and uh, But yeah, I've, um, I've been involved in sport, you know, most of my life, you know, and I've done a lot since my injury, including Ironman Kona in 2012. So, um, yeah, I've, I've had so, some adventures. So sport just is intertwined all throughout your life, right? Before accident, as actually part of the accident, and after accident. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I... Um, it took a while to get back into sport. Like, it went a while, I mean under a year but close to that year mark before i 
was introduced to like real sports, you know, the place where I rehabbed didn't have a huge, you know, rec therapy department. Um, and so I didn't get introduced to like, you know, sport wheelchairs or like hand cycles or anything like that until, um, I went to, uh, land meet sea out in long beach and, uh, California and right. It's a sports camp and they, it's kind of like, come try everything out. Right. Um, from basketball to tennis, to hand cycling, to water skiing, um, to, um, I don't know, everything, you know, I'm, it was kind of yeah, it was kind of like a conglomeration of a bunch of uh, nonprofits that put on that event. But uh, I think I wound up in the Sports and Spokes magazine during that uh, <laughs> during that camp uh, water skiing for the first time. So um, so yeah, and that would have been in 2010, um, and then it was like 2011 where I kind of started training for Ironman Kona that I did in 2012. So. Um, and so during that that year, obviously when you were recovering and, and still rehabilitating from the accident, and and uh, did did you think that you would return to sport? I mean, what 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 was kind of the, the your psyche maybe at that time? Um, since you weren't introduced as part of your rehabilitation originally, did you think that your activity and sports kind of focus was was done? Um. I had no idea that I would be so involved in sport, right? I thought like, you know, as you meet different people and stuff like, oh, hand cycle. Like, yeah, maybe I'll get a hand cycle and go cruise around, you know, stuff like that. I never thought I would be seriously competitive in sport. Um, you know, uh, I was working full time, all that, like, right. I, my My work was pretty awesome. Gave me a good amount of time off, but I returned to work. You know, and it was kind of like, it's a lot of work just being disabled and like uh, going to work full time, you know, and, mm -hmm. and making life happen. But, uh, you know, it, it wasn't until 2011, I think it was around my birth. So somewhere around August, like this time of year, um, one of my buddies sort of challenged me like to attempt Kona 2012, right? And he was one of the guys that was on the ride with me when I got injured and I was kind of just sitting there going like, I don't think I can do that. Um, and then I kind of, I, uh, on some Saturday, I just took my hand cycle out and we had pretty good bike path system out where I lived in California. And I kind of just went back and forth across town until I hit a hundred miles. Right. I was like, can I ride my bike a hundred miles? And, um, it wasn't fast and it didn't feel good, but I did it. And so I was like, yeah, maybe I can do that, you know? Um, so that's when I started training for it, you know? And, um, you know, that's kind of when it became a reality of like, yeah, I can, you know, I can do this. And, you know, the, the 4 a.m. wake up times to be in the pool by, you know, 4.45 and mm -hmm. all that stuff, um, you know, um, I look back now, I'm like, how did I do all that? <laughs> uh, but, you know, like, because I'd, I'd go swim, you know, I'd be, you know, three days a week, so I'd, I'd be in the pool and I'd swim and, you know, I'd come home and shower and go to work and, 
you know, get off work and come home and, you know, get in the hand cycle or push the race chair. Um, it was like almost every day I had a two workout day, you know? Um, so it was, it was pretty rowdy. And then like my, uh, my Saturdays would be like seven, eight hours of straight training. So, um, yeah, I look back now and I'm like, that's a lot of work, but, um, (laughs) it is a lot of work. (laughs) I'm glad I did it then because it'd be really hard to do it now. I don't know if I could find the motivation. Um, but it was a essentially a challenge from a friend that spurred spurred that uh, activity. Yeah, you know, at the time is you know uh, a really good friend of mine who um, you know who had had another friend uh, years before you know get paralyzed uh, in a motorcycle accident. So um, who had also been a competitive triathlete. So it was kind of this um, weird sort of connection through people. And, uh, yeah, but that's how it went down. He, you know, he, he challenged me to do it and I was like, I don't, I don't think so. And then, you know, after about a week or two, I was like, nah, maybe I can, yeah, sure. Why not? Um, so sometimes it's hard to resist a good challenge. (laughs) Yeah. You know, if, uh, if you're not pushing yourself, as far as you can, it's good to have people around you that can uh, help you realize your potential. That, that's very, tr- that's a very true statement. And in, in addition to doing Kona, you also did the LA marathon around that time, right? Yes. I, um, I did that. I don't remember. I think I did that in 2012. Um, and they got it wrong. They always published that I won the wheelchair division. I'm not that good of a, race chair pusher that was a hand cycle division um some of my friends were doing it and they were like do you want to do this with us and i'm like okay like i don't like 20 26 miles on a hand cycle seems like a joke to me but all right like <laughs> uh, so i did it and then it was uh yeah i, I won it so it was fun <laughs> yeah. so if you don't know 100 miles 26 is obviously a piece of cake right yeah, it's just a warm up, you know. So um, it's uh, it, yeah, it was it was fun, you know. I because uh, I don't think I had my race chair just yet, or I had just got it, so that's why I didn't push the race chair in it. Um, I was a little late to the game on getting that for Kona, um, you know, because you had to qualify for Kona. I believe the qualifying race was in June or maybe early July. Um, and I didn't get my race chair till like March, you know. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I think the LA Marathon was happening around April at that point. So I maybe had the race chair for like two or three weeks. I'm like, yeah, I'm not gonna go push a race chair because that's a whole another whole another ball game. It's not you know um, you don't just get in and crank on some cranks. You got to have some good form and how to take corners and not hurt right. yourself all that fun stuff. So, I mean, not that you can't get injured on a hand cycle, but it's a lot more intuitive on a hand cycle where a race chair, you just feel like fish out of water when you get in that thing. At least I did. And I was like, this is not normal. Uh, so <laughs> took some, took some hours behind the wheel on that thing to get going. And and particularly if you have essentially a new piece of equipment, you've got to, tu- you've got to get in tune with that piece of equipment, right? You've got to kind of get to know it, 
uh, get comfortable with it and, and then and then take it out for a real a real spin or or see what it can do yeah yeah forum's so huge on those like fine and there's not a lot of people that push race chairs these days so you know since the hand cycles have become so accessible and like you know costs has come down and there's lots of manufacturers of them and like which is awesome but the people in the race, like you've really got to want to push a race chair, right? If you're going to go down that road. So there's not as many people doing that these days. Um, so like finding mentors in that realm is somewhat difficult, you know, relatively speaking. So, um, so trying to learn, you know, you can kind of watch videos of people and you try to find right of paralympics you're like okay which class would i line up with so like i'm kind of like this guy's same injury and like watch videos of them push because right like me watching a dual amputee push is not gonna help me as much right so so yeah um anyways interesting so, and, and yeah and, and so you did kona and you did pretty well in kona right yeah i um I got a friend who's training for a, a little sprint triathlon now. And uh, so I've been reminiscing about Kona over the last like week or two when he's asked me questions about stuff and I'm helping him build a leg brace for the swim. And um, so I'm like, yeah, I did. I did Kona 1231 right around there. 1231, 1236, 1230 something. Um, so it was like, I, I came off the bike I think I wanted to finish sub 11 hours and then I just collapsed on the run. <laughs> um, I thought I was going to die the whole time. So, um, so I'm glad I finished it and I, I beat a, a good amount of able-bodied athletes. I was pretty, uh, pretty stoked about that. I mean, I came out of the swim, like kind of mid pack in the able-bodied realm. So I was like, what are you guys doing? Kick your legs. Come on. Um, if you can't, right? Yeah. So it was, uh, yeah, Kona was a super awesome day, right? Like I remember like once I, there's a, a decent hill on the run course. And um, once I got over that, I was sort of sure I wasn't going to pass out and die on the course. So um <laughs> <laughs> then it was sort of relieving like got to check out the sunset and like life was pretty all right it was a pretty awesome special day so um so yeah i was uh i was way impressed with uh with that race my performance like the the support of friends to get it done you know um it was pretty cool and you were out in california at the time that's where you were were living right uh correct i lived in like the valencia area california and so from, from around that time period, when did, when did you get into alpine skiing? Um, so I started training for Ironman 2011, like August, September of 2011. And then um, January of 2012, uh, some of my buddies, you know, also wheelchair users, were going to a camp at Mammoth Mountain um with uh disabled sports eastern sierra up there yep and uh so i um they convinced me to come along like i really didn't want to go like 
I had skied um, growing up. So that was another thing I did. Like my dad and I would kind of go do, you know, three-day weekends here and there up to Mammoth. So I, I learned to ski at Mammoth standing up. I learned to snowboard at Mammoth standing up. And then I learned how to monoski at Mammoth. Um, so Mammoth is pretty, right, special in my history. Um, so, uh, right, I was married at the time. My wife really wanted to go to Mammoth as well. I was like, all right, fine. let's. I'll go do this. But like the idea of dealing with snow in a wheelchair, like when I didn't have to, I was like, why would I even do this? This doesn't sound fun at all to me. Like I was kind of grumpy Gus about it, you know? Um, but once I was, once I was committed to going, I was, you know, I didn't just wasn't Mr. Poopy pants the whole time. So I just kind of, um, sucked it up and was like, all right, we're going to try to make the best of this. And, uh, you know, went and went and bought a GoPro and like videoed the whole thing, you know, the whole experience and all that. So, um, and it was, <laughs> I'm definitely like a, a very type A personality. I don't know if that comes through with my <laughs> Iron Man stuff and things of that nature, but I, um, I was going to say there's a, there's a pattern throughout your, 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 your uh, sports <laughs> activities. <laughs> yeah. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. So, I remember calling disabled sports, right? And the camp was supposed to be whatever it was, like three days or whatever. And it was like Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And they're like, oh, yeah, well, you come in Friday and then we like fit you in your monoskis and all that. And then like then we go out skiing in the afternoon. I'm like, so we just waste a whole day, a whole like half of a day on snow. I'm like we're getting there Thursday night. Is there like anybody around and we can like fit up the monoskis then? So that way we can just go straight on snow, like Friday morning. And like, they were really reluctant, but then I like, you know, convinced them into it. So, um, so it was, uh, it was pretty, it was pretty cool though. Pretty fun. Like I, I was in great shape cause I was training for Ironman. Like, right. I was, I was close to the best shape of my life. Like about as fit as I've ever been. So pushing around in the mono ski was really easy, you know, like physically, it was just like figuring out the balance and all that stuff. But in, I had a, a working knowledge of like how skis worked from like skiing, standing up. Right. I know what, I know what I need the edge to do to be able to do it. Well, I just need to figure out how to get my paralyzed body to transfer the motion of what I can control to what I can't control. And so, you know, we kind of just like pushed up this little slight slope and kind of worked on rigor turns and things like that like simple movements and it was like it wasn't like five times that i pushed myself up this little bank and came down and then my instructor's guy was like yeah i think you're good to go to the lift now and i'm like come again like um <laughs> so we went over and hopped on the lift right and you know that's a terrifying experience your first time being paralyzed getting on a ski lift um and getting off of a ski lift yeah getting off is also a little more terrifying as well so um but it was it was fun i didn't uh lots of people don't teach you how to get off a ski lift very well but um maybe i'll make some videos and people can look at them uh but yeah it was um it was a blast like you know by the end of the end of day one i was cruising down right the little bunny slope without eating it and then the second day like i was cruising like intermediate runs um and so i was like okay i guess i'm sold on skiing now like because 
I still didn't love the hassle of like getting to snow, like, mm. right. Like pushing around on my chair and stuff. But once I was in the mono ski on snow, like it was awesome. So it was worth it then. So that's, that's how it, like, I kind of did that trip and then I didn't ski at all. Like, cause I was training for Ironman still. That was kind of my one break I gave myself. And then, um, trained all the way through, um, for Ironman, Ironman's in October, uh, got done with Ironman in 2012 and then went back to Mammoth. It's pretty much as soon as they had snow down. And, uh, so the end of 2012, I started skiing and stuff. I think by, I don't know, I want to say like December of 2012, I bought my own mono ski. Um, and then I started by like Jan, but probably by the end of January or so, I was independent, January 2013, mm-hmm. like independent where I would, uh, um, I would just go up to Mammoth by myself and ski, you know, like for two or three days at a time. Then you know, come back home, go to work, all that. And then, um, it, I was, I happened to be just skiing at Mammoth and the, uh, the national team was having a camp there. And so there's all these mono skiers skiing around. I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> um, and right. One of the coaches comes over to me and is like, Hey, like we've noticed you skiing around. Like, you know, this is the, the U S national team. We're doing this camp yada yada like if you want to hang out with us and do some drills and like get some coaching like feel free to tag along uh so i did and then at the end of that sort of day or i don't know if it was a couple days um right they they were impressed enough with my skiing not that it was awesome by any means at that point um but they're like you know for doing this less than a year you're you're doing pretty good um if you want, you can come to Mount Hood with us. And I think in July, they go to Mount Hood and do a camp up there where it's like more like gate and actual race focus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, yeah, I might do that. Like, I don't know. Let me think. Like, I really didn't like the idea of people telling me what to do um, with skiing. Like skiing was just fun for me. Like I didn't want to turn into like, no, you must ski like this now. Um so I was kind of uh, on the fence with it. But at that point, I was also going through a divorce. So I was kind of like my whole life was up in the air. And I was like, ah, screw it. I'll go to this camp. Um, and then um, at the camp, like things went well there. And they invited me to come out to Aspen and, and train with the team. So um, and that was kind of the same thing. I was like, I don't I didn't really want to do that per se, but I also didn't know what else I was doing. And, um, basically I let that be a decision that my work would make. Cause I just, I asked my, the CEO at my company, if I could work remotely while I trained in Aspen. And I was like, if he tells me no, then I just won't go. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was all about it. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm moving to Aspen now. <laughs> okay, um, darn it. <laughs> yeah. So it was pretty wild when I was there. Um, you know, I'd be on conference calls with my cell phone tucked in my helmet, you know, just on the ski lift. I'm like, Oh, life's pretty good. Um, so yeah, it was a fun time, like living in Aspen, um, training like every day, there was probably at least two years where I did over 250 days on snow. Um, 
And it was really fun because then when I would come back out to California um, and ski, right, I'd have friends of mine like tag along with me, like people I skied with like growing up. And um, right, I'm going like just sending it off the top of Mammoth. And they're like, oh man, you're like really good. I'm like, yeah, I literally do this every day of my life. Like if I wasn't good, like there'd be a problem. Um, so it was, it was just fun to be able to, I mean, I skied gnarlier lines in my mono ski than I ever did standing up. Like that's for sure. So, um, it was kind of cool to like, you know, that whole full circle come around and, uh, mammoth's actually the last race I did. We had nationals in mammoth in 2017. And so I finished up kind of started, started my career there and finished up my career there in ski racing. So that is kind of cool, full circle, and yeah, that, I didn't know that. That's a pretty, pretty cool story, and and I think you're right. I mean, it's it, there's a big difference between wanting to do something just for fun and recreationally, and and then getting serious about about uh, you know the competition side and and what it takes to to be an elite athlete and and focus on technique all the time. So you know, all, every athlete has to make that decision, right, at one point in their life. Yeah, you know. It's just the, if you want to be competitive, you know, there's, um, even kids I work with now in the archery world, I'm like, you know, like you could just do this and have fun. You don't have to shoot a tournament at all. If you don't want to, like, don't worry about that. Just worry about having fun. Like I love competing cause that's how I have fun. So, but that's not fun for everybody. <laughs> And, and I'm glad you mentioned archery because it's what I wanted to talk about next. Because what I, it's really interesting, at least at least from my perspective, and you can definitely correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, in, in terms of these chapters in your in your life, because you have the you have the Ironman and, and uh, paratriathlete, and then and then uh, and then uh, if you if it was a book, the next chapter would be uh, alpine skiing, and then now the, the the chapter is archery, and and it almost falls in line with timing, right? Because I think you said your last race was 2017, and that also happened to be when you got into archery. Yeah, well, so there's a reason for that. Um, I I I started shooting archery probably in 20 2016. I want to say I. Um, when I was living in Aspen, I started volunteering down at Craig Hospital uh, mm-hmm. in Colorado. And so I would drive down on, like, say, Friday after skiing, hang out at Craig Hospital, like, Friday evening, you know, Saturday and Sunday, and then drive back home to Aspen on Sunday. Um, and uh, one of my now good friends, right, was volunteering there as well. And after one night, you know, he's going home and he's like, Hey, I'm going to go to the archery range. Do you want to come shoot some arrows? I'm like, man, I'm not, you know, I'm just hanging out. So why not? Um, so that's how I started shooting, you know, just very casually, like, you know, it's shooting archery in that regard. It's kind of like going bowling. Right. It's right. Like, they got rental equipment. Some dude's going to tell you like how to not shoot your eye out and uh, off you go, you know, very okay. encounter. So kind of started doing that and just had fun with it. And then, um, right. Started getting, you know, the itch sort of addicted to it and, you know, always chasing shooting tens. And, um, and then, so I was maybe shooting for like two or three months, like, right. Like every other weekend or, you know, not a lot for sure. And, uh, then I was coming down some stairs in my wheelchair and I, uh, my middle finger on my left hand got caught between my wheel and my push rim and just mm. broke it like pretty bad. 
Um, so I was like, well, don't think I'm shooting archery for a while now. Um, so didn't know if I'd ever be able to shoot archery again, like in any real regard. So I was like, well, that's not good. And, um, it was like almost a year later. So it would have been like something like February, March of 2017 where, um, that finger seemed like it was healed enough where I could try shooting. So that's when I kind of started trying shooting again. I'm like, okay, it, it doesn't, that finger's still weak, but it can like, it doesn't hurt. And I don't think I'm going to cause more problems by shooting archery. So, um, that's when I started getting back in archery. Um, as the ski season wrapped up and like, I think April was our last race there in mammoth. Um, and, uh, maybe March, April, I don't know, somewhere around there. And, um, then I was like, okay, so like, let's say April or May of 2017, I was like, maybe I want to be a two-sport athlete, and I'll find a coach, and I'll really try to do archery, right? I'll do archery in the summer, skiing in the winter. Um, and then started working with a coach, and like, my scores just like, went way up really quickly, and like, anything my coach would tell me to do, I would do like, plus 10%, you know, so... um I'd always show up just a lot better than our last lesson. And he's like, Oh, this kid actually works when I tell him to work. So, um, so I, um, he was like, are you sure you want to go back to ski racing? Cause I think you could be good at this. And I'm like, I really love skiing. Like, right. I love everything about it. And he's like, well, what would it take? And 2017 was world champs year for archery. And there was trials and I was going to shoot the trials anyways, because that's where I could get internationally classified. Right. Um, no, it was just a national classification, but so I could get classified and, and like all that and be set. And, uh, I was like, I was like, okay, like I'll go shoot those trials. And then, you know, my coach was like, well, if you're going to shoot those trials, like we might as well be ready for them. So we like, you know, did you know, uh, it got dialed in, like trained really hard and like got my equipment dialed in and all that stuff. And then, um, like it was kind of his challenge, right? He's like, what's it going to take for you to quit ski racing? And I was like, well, if I, you know, if I make this world champs team, then, uh, that'd probably be a good enough sign for me. Um, and then I made the team. So that's why I gave up ski racing. <laughs> And and not only did you make the team, but do you obviously had a chance to not only go to Tokyo and compete in Tokyo, but you uh, you won the gold. Was that? Uh, oh yeah. That? Well, this was so. This was 2017. This was for World Champs, but right. uh, we we got team silver there. So um, oh. my teammates were pretty happy with that, and I was giving them crap. I'm like, yeah, guys, this is my first World Champs. This is how it always happens, right? They're like, <laughs> oh, shut up. Um, but yeah, then making. Right. Tokyo was a whole other uh, ball of wax with COVID, you know, postponing everything, postponing the games, postponing trials. Um, mm -hmm. There's definitely a lot going on there. So um, but making that team was pretty spectacular. And um, it actually I mean, it being postponed sort of helped me because I had a big surgery in 2018, the end of 2018. So like 2019 was a rough year for me. Um, and then, uh, learning to shoot again and, and getting competitive again. Um, so that extra year kind of helped me come back full strength, you know, or as full strength as I'm going to be now. So, um, 
so yeah, it kind of kind of worked out in my timeline. Um, but uh, but yeah, going to Tokyo was pretty amazing. Uh, you know, shooting there, it was. I hope I never experienced the heat and humidity that Tokyo can provide. I mean, we've shot in the South, right? In Florida, Georgia, Texas, mm -hmm. like Tokyo is no joke. It's just all day, just sweating as much as you can. So. <laughs> and what do you think is it about archery for you, Kevin? Uh, what do you mean? That keeps me doing it or? Yeah. Why, why, what, what is it about the sport? Uh, there's a lot of things I love about archery. There's a whole bunch of different styles of archery, right? The, the archery you see at the Olympic and Paralympic games is like one small aspect of how you can compete shooting archery, right? We have, that would be called outdoor target archery, right? And mm -hmm. typically world archery's version of outdoor target archery. So there's, you know, another organization in the U.S. called the NFAA, the National Field Archery Association, and they kind of have their own tournament system. Um, and even their target rounds are a bit different. And, um, there, there's also, you know, field archery events where you're kind of, uh, I tell people it's kind of like playing golf and shooting archery, like mixed, like where right there's, you start at one spot and then you shoot at a target and then you, you go down to that target, pull your arrow out and then you shoot, you move along a course, right. And then you oh, shoot another okay. target right and there's 24 targets in a round and right and then you uh you do that and so that's probably one of my favorite types of archery um just because it's every target is different you know and um so there's that there's like 3d archery which is where you're shooting at like foam animals right like simulating mm -hmm. hunting scenarios and stuff like that um there's indoor archery right you're at 18 meters on a, a lot smaller target um right where that's very much like a game of perfection like the the scores you got to shoot indoors to be competitive are, are pretty much perfect um so um you know and there's different styles of bows you can shoot recurve like i do right you can shoot compound bows you could shoot you know traditional bows mm -hmm. there's a whole bunch of a whole bunch of different options so that alone like like right now I'm done with outdoor archery target archery until we have a, a tournament over Thanksgiving. So I'm, it's kind of a weird setup because it's down in South America. So it's <laughs> right. We need to wait for it to warm up down there. The archery is <laughs> a summer sport. Um, so that's, it's very odd. We had this year, we had our first tournament in February in Dubai. Hmm. Cause right. We have to have it there before it gets way too hot. Right. Um, and then our last tournament will be in the end of November, which is, so this is by far the longest archery season I've better, ever been involved in. Um, but we had our, our national championships two weeks ago. Um, normally that's kind of the end of the year for us. Like, you know, there might be one event really close to after that, but normally we're kind of done now. So, um, so I'm just shooting my hunting bow and, messing around like i'm not really training um with any big capacity i'll start ramping up again and you know the beginning of october working into those uh games down in chile so um and and since you're coming off of obviously the paralympics which technically was a 21 obviously and you're still 
competing or do you have your uh sights set on on uh 2024 yeah i you know the the plan stays the same i plan on shooting through los angeles games at least um so we'll see how that goes um right i should Mm -hmm. you know people have longevity in the sport longer than that so it's definitely an option it's just if it kind of just depends on how well I maintain my scores and then who comes up, right. Uh, trying to knock you off the totem pole. So, um, we'll see, you know, we'll see how that goes, but I'm, I'm training with intent for Paris for sure. Cause next year will be a world champs year. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our world champs next year will be a world champs that qualifies quota slots for Tokyo, right. Earning the country quota slots for athletes. So next year will be important. We'll have the Pan American Games next year, which will mm-hmm. be down in Santiago, Chile, right? Which is another large multi. It's kind of like the Olympics for the Americas is what mm-hmm. the Pan American Games are. A lot of people are unaware of them, but um, really big event, right? With tons of different countries and a village, you know, the athlete village, like all the same stuff as the Olympics, just on a slightly smaller scale. So, um, right, we, we'll go do that. That's also a quota event for uh, for Paris. So, um, yeah, we'll have a lot of a lot of archery next year. 